to The Human Project, your podcast for inspiring stories. I am Corina Rosa Falkenberg. I'm here in the jungle and I'm at the entrance of a huge bamboo house. In a second, I will speak to Dino. He is not just an entrepreneur, but also a builder of ecosystems. This is why he has created the bamboo house. And I would like to find out today what is required to build it and what is required to live in it. Let's get started. So mm. Dino, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Um, I met you today, actually just an hour ago. I arrived here because uh, my friend uh, Imogen, she said, you have to come and meet Dino. The space is incredible. How would you describe the space we are in? I would say it's harmonious with the uh, nature, the environment. I would say that it's uh, organic. Mm -hmm. I'd say that it's sort of feng shui-like. Mm. So there's uh, no square boxes and lines everything is curved even the pool i wanted it to be curved so that it flowed with the the river below it and then the roof lines i think are quite architecturally beautiful because they flow with the the shapes of the of the landscape around it so i find that um, the intrinsic and complex and artistic um, design um, arch architectural design flows very well with the nature that surrounds it, that we're in. And I think that was very important to create that synergy between myself as the client and the architect who mm. came up with the overall design concept that uh, fits that description. So when I arrived earlier here, I parked my motorbicycle, I stepped in and I just was like, wow. When we met, I said, I need to digest what's here because there's so much to feel, to see, to hear. We had to find a quiet room because we are in the middle of nature, so it's beautiful. You can hear the bird, you can hear water, and then you can see this beautiness of the architecture because, as you said, everything is round and it's made out of bamboo and there's so much to see, but it's peaceful to see you know what i mean sometimes you see so much and it's too much it's overloading mm. this was not the case this was giving me calm and yeah again peace when i looked at it mm. and still there are so tiny small things to see like how the bamboo is sticked together or like the ceilings that was it was made out of woven material um it's it's a space where i felt like right from the beginning being home and being back to what makes me being a human somehow. I felt like this urge to touch everything, like, you know, like this, very tactile. this different, yeah. I think we use, well, all the materials that we use here are very mm -hmm. natural. I think that's pretty important to, to know that even the walls are uh, rammed earth, which is a combination of different aggregate materials and one of them is being the mud from or the mud in the land, the mud from the land, the earth and gravel and sand and limestone and just a little bit of, of cement to sort of hold it together. But otherwise, it's all 
it's a sustainable product and all the the woods that are used are sustainable and uh, everything when we built the place was sort of thought out carefully about what to use and why to use it and i think uh the environment that we're in is makes a big difference too so the land um for me it reminds me a lot of bali or what bali meant to me which mm -hmm. is you have been here something like quarter of a century already, 25 years. Well, almost that long, right? yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been coming here for that long, but mm -hmm. I never lived here for as long as I have this time around. Oh. I used to just come over to visit Canada for a few weeks at a time. Like me. Like you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this land or this, this, this place that you've created mm. reminds you a lot um, of Bali itself. What does yeah, Bali, Bali mean for you? For me, it's never usually been about the beach or the ocean or the mm, surfing because okay. I'm not a surfer. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, the beaches that I'm used to are more Caribbean, which is are white sands and beautiful, mm -hmm. and here they're more black sand. But for me, it was more nature-related, so it was uh, river, rice fields, mm -hmm. jungle, waterfalls. We have all of that here. We have the, we're in the rice fields, jungle, river right. and our own waterfalls and our own waterfalls is actually very magical because there's two there's two connecting water sources and in ubud or in bali um it's considered very spiritual it's called champuan when the two rivers meet the very magical and spiritual energy that, that mm -hmm. that's here combined with the fact that we've we've uh, had a lot of balinese ceremonies to appease the spirits mm -hmm. to appease the energies and that comfortable feeling that you feel when you're here is partly because of that that energy that exists that surrounds us mm -hmm. the positive spiritual energy that that surrounds us as well as i believe it's my nature to the way i grew up with my background being italian and french to be a, a good host and have the place that you're in being very comfortable mm -hmm. So you feel at home, you don't feel that you, mm -hmm. you could put your feet up and feel comfortable and, and being mm -hmm. in the space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think this is what you said just right now. It's very important. Like you're hosting that space. You're allowing people like me to feel home, right? This is a beautiful gift. And as I travel a lot, also professional wise, I'm very often in places where I don't feel that, where it's more, the energy is different. It's just a place to sleep. It was built out and up to offer accommodation, but there is not the soul within. Even if you don't have kind of this beautiful nature architecture and sustainable architecture, you can feel that there is something missing, you know? Yeah, and I believe mm -hmm. that um, places with a soul or with that intention, and of course, in addition with those beautiful pieces from nature, give you a different mm, feeling for the moment, for awareness. It allows you to be maybe even more yourself. I would like to go back. You said like you haven't been to Bali like on a permanent, uh, permanently the last 25 years, but now it was longer. So we are in your room right now here. How is it for you when you have stayed in a beautiful place now longer? How do you feel when you are now really fully live in that sustainable environment? Do you feel a change versus back home i've um, learned to um, feel blessed about being here actually uh, mm -hmm. for as long as i as i am this time around especially with the conditions of the world these days uh, back home or the western world is sort of really having a hard time with this pandemic 
and I feel very blessed to be here and to be able to enjoy this environment, look look out the window and see palm trees and have a swimming pool by my side and or in front or all water features wherever and being a part of nature and and being able to do yoga and and to eat well and take care of my health. I find it's a really good environment for that to be here. And at this time, um, for as long as I have, I feel uh, grateful to be here mm-hmm. during this time. Mm-hmm. And do you also feel, where do you usually live? Back home is? Back home, my home is Toronto, Canada. Wow. I've never been to Toronto, but I imagine it's also a big city, right? Yeah, it's a big city. It's also very cold in the wintertime. <laughs> Canada. <laughs> um, so how is it when you are now here and you're living with such like natu- a natural material, like what you just described? Can you feel that for you as a human being, it's also different on the long term when you are surrounded by this kind of environment? Yeah, for sure. I mean, back home in Toronto, I was lucky enough to create a similar environment. Ah, so I was inspired by by Bali, and my house was... I designed my house to be inspired. Lucky you! I didn't know that! <laughs> no, and I, my, the area that I live in is very green and very wow. lush. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a lot of space in my mm-hmm. backyard. I have a pond. I have mm-hmm. fish. I have all the... Because I was in the furniture business. Uh, so actually, you knew about the impact that uh, a green environment would have on you. I, uh, what happened that you were aware of that? What happened that you that you found out, I need that to really be in a healthy condition? Yeah, I was. I created that space back home, as I was saying, and, uh, in, in the design feature. And I think mm-hmm. for me, one of, the, one of the first features that influenced me most about being in Bali was the outdoor bathroom concept, or the outdoor, ah. the, 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 the Mm-hmm. Being able to yeah. live outdoors, yeah. Yeah. and um, whether it's living or dining, is sort of what I really mm-hmm. enjoy, or mostly bathing out outdoors. So the villas I've created before, I created some other villas, I built some other villas here in Bali uh, seven, eight years ago, and they have that space. And so my house back home in Canada also has that space, where I live, as long as the weather's nice in the summer, I live outdoors. And uh, when I live indoors, when it's colder, uh, it has that feel of being outdoors based on how mm-hmm. I've decorated decorated my space. I even have a waterfall indoors. So I've always been attracted to having nature, the sounds of water around me. And so uh, this time around, being here for as long as I have, I was able to be introduced to a different lifestyle and also introduced to... Um, juicing and fasting and mm-hmm. or juice fasting as well and and uh, living a more of a balanced lifestyle within this environment and mm-hmm. uh, here at uh, at Ulaman in my resort um, we have a beautiful yoga shala and so um, from the beginning of August I've been working on doing yoga every day or different types of mm-hmm. activities and uh, and being a little bit more self-conscious and aware of eating or eating healthy and living a healthier mm-hmm. lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So I think it's easier to do that here mm-hmm. in Bali mm-hmm. than it is mm-hmm. back home. Mm-hmm. So it's not just um, the accommodation, the housing, but also the whole lifestyle that you follow. And I could not agree more. It's much easier here in Bali, even 
I'm regularly on detox, even if it's just like not eating something for dinner. Yeah, and have just like a couple of hours stomach empty. It feels so good. Um, I can, I totally hear you. And I remember when I was um, on Bali the first time more than 20 years ago, the first thing I got was this open bathroom with a bath, bath tube. It was in Ubud. And it was yeah, in, mine was in the boot too. Yes, I was fascinated. Mm. I loved it. And there was this red, red little flower decorated there. So loved it. I know they had all those touches back yeah. in the boot. And back in the day that we were there, it wasn't that expensive. And no. I didn't have an air conditioning room, it was just a so, fan. But I remember going outside and looking at the stars and going, wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm able to shower outdoors yeah. and look at the stars. Like, that is phenomenal. Yeah. So I've always loved that aspect. Mm -hmm. So. Here at Ulaman, my mm -hmm. bathrooms, all my bathrooms have that outdoor feel mm -hmm. that uh, reminded me of when we were back <laughs> back here 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. I was in one of the bathrooms there, amazing, really amazing. So you told me just before that um, your family is very special. You told me that your family was teaching you already when you were young to have not only a kind of independent lifestyle you 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 said to me like at the age of eight for your mm. mom it was important that you know how to cook so that you can be independent mm -hmm. i really like that concept to give kids at a young age already the idea of becoming independent but at the same time you said yes we had a strong family bond mm -hmm. this is maybe not a balance that is easily to be found as well as parents you want to teach your kids to be able to make their living on their own mm, at the same time you want to keep them so how what was the success of your family model that you were raised independently but nonetheless in a strong community well that's a that's a good question i think um my brothers and i my two brothers and i are uh influenced or directly in We're definitely impacted from how we were raised. We were lucky to have parents that were dedicated, loved us, um, raising us. My mom was the one that fought for her independence, and she was also the one that uh, she was independent. She fought for independence in her, in her marriage with my dad. <laughs> so they argued a lot about that. Um, and she taught my mom taught us to be independent and to fight for what we believed in. But she also believed in fighting for the underdog and for those who are less fortunate. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of what my mom, how one of the many aspects my mom influenced us in. And my dad, he, um, he wanted us to work more with our mind and our hands because he grew up working with his hands. What did he do? Um, back in Italy, he was a tailor. So he was the Italian, right? My dad was Italian. My mom was French-Canadian, yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dad was all about family and all about eating together. Oh, I love that. And uh, long when they when they got married, my he, my mom was not able to cook f for my dad the way he was expecting it to. So when she tried to make pasta, Aww. it came out like mashed potatoes. Oh. He complained it was just way overcooked. So she's like, Aww. well, you'll cook for yourself then. So he became the cook of the family. And so we inspired uh, me and my brothers to cook And uh, he was also a great host and would bring people in and everybody was welcome and it was very mm -hmm. Italian that way. And he was the singer, the dancer, the philosopher. And, uh, but he was also the one that said, uh, well, the independence was my mom 
with the, the side of, my, of being independent with my mom was to, to do to, to work for yourself, and for my dad it was to work smartly and not, you know, with your hands as he put it. So it was to work more with managing money or but we were we we were influenced more in real estate. So when when I was coming home from high school one day, um, he'd asked me if I knew how to calculate interest rates. And I said, no, they don't teach that in school. How old were you? Oh, I was 17, I think. Wow. And he's like, yeah, they don't teach that in school, Pop. He's like, well, you should learn. Like, how do you, how do you <laughs> learn? Well, then you should do a real estate course. So I became a real estate agent. And wow. Got my license at 18. And then, mm -hmm. um, and then so I was trying to sell businesses. And one of them that um, I ended up um, trying to sell to my cousin. He convinced me to be his business partner. And so I started my first restaurant when I was 18 years old. But uh, prior to that, um, we got a start. Me, my brothers and I got a start. Uh, my dad um, had uh, put a down payment on a on a very, very small house, a few thousand dollars, and, and said, this is how you're going to learn. So I learned how to renovate with him and Wow. I learned how to manage tenants. I learned about the real estate laws, and I learned all about business kind of firsthand. And uh, and then I learned how to manage properties and how to invest in real estate. But uh, but we remained close, as you were saying. So the family always remained close. So every Sunday we would get together as a family. We would eat together, whether it was lunch or dinner, or spend the whole day together every Sunday. And then uh, when my parents passed away, we kept that tradition with my brothers. So we still, when uh, we're in the country and able to, we meet every Sunday. We rotate each other's houses and we have big family meals. And so, yes, I was taught by my mom at a very young age to be independent and how to cook and clean. And so both my brothers and I, we, we can all cook, we can all clean, we can all do, you know, we can all do what we need to do in the house. But... Uh, and now my ne my nephews and nieces are taught sort of the same way mm -hmm. that we were taught. So to be independent, they learn how to cook, how to clean, and so how to help around the house, and uh, and have our share, our fair share of outdoor activities as well. Not just you know they're not just on their devices, mm -hmm. and, you know, all all day like kids can be. So they're encouraged to be outside and play together as cousins. So we kept that tradition, and we still keep that tradition. Beautiful. Mm, it is very Beautiful. lucky. I picture that right now. <laughs> yeah, we're very, very lucky. Yeah. I think we're very lucky to have, to have had the family and the parents uh, that I had, because a lot of people don't have that mm. opportunity to even eat together. You know, is something that's kind of rare and foreign. But it was something that my dad, mm. being from that culture, yeah. really made sure that we were we ate as a family and we drank wine as a mm. family, and you know. This is what I love so much about the Italian culture because I do have also some interests, some Italian interests. Mm. And my cousin is married to an Italian and there I have this Italian influence always sitting together. I love it. Yeah. It takes hours to finish dinner. Yeah. It's amazing. It's yeah. full of everybody's talking. Yeah. They're talking, they're talking <laughs> yes, loud, they're they talking. sound like they're arguing. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes they are and sometimes they're not. And sometimes you can't tell the difference yeah. if they're arguing or not. Yeah. How was it? Because you said before your mom, she was born in which year, if I may ask you? Oh, what year? God. I don't because know. you were a bit older, just a bit, than I am. Yeah. 
Um, when? So when, what, what year? Uh, 29, I think. 1929. So 1929. So how was it when, because you described your mom as being kind of modern woman, huh? saying that, uh, okay, if it's not good enough for you, then please do it yourself. How yeah. was it for you to live through those, with an Italian, I can imagine, in addition, fights uh, between your parents? What did you feel when you were younger? Would you have loved to have more harmony, or was it, on the contrary, something you learned? It's important to have conflict because it's human, and we have just to manage it. What did you take out of that? Well, that's a good question. Um, that's, I think, you know, seeing my parents argue a lot we couldn't really understand it but now that i look back at it, i think it's my mom i think they were they were together uh 24/7 so that's but there were times my dad went to leave for the summer and that time they spent apart was very good for them mm -hmm. but um i felt that in relationship they were my mom especially was fighting for her independence for her to be her and mm -hmm. not to be judged and and so she just kept defending for her, her culture, her French-Canadian culture, which my dad would criticize maybe how they were. But my, my, dad, my mom had her own points. But uh, I think we are, um, we are a product of our, of our parents. Mm -hmm. One thing that my dad um, definitely taught us, I think, which was very special, was that, you know, uh, the parents um, are the foundation, you know, we're like the tree trunk. The, the, the tree trunk that, you know, we, 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 ra we were raised from. And uh, um, we, we can take the good, mm -hmm. um, and we should take the good and leave the bad of what we learned from our parents. Mm -hmm. And that the branches is us for us to branch out to be our own, um, our own person. Mm -hmm. And to learn from, you know, they're like, no, we, you know, there's stuff that we did that's not right, you know. We we necessarily didn't have parents, you know, or my dad didn't have, didn't know his dad, so he was doing the best he could. So he said, mm -hmm. look, take, learn from what we, what you, you know, from our good and leave the bad and branch out and be yourself. And, excuse me, I think that was very valuable to mm -hmm. have that analogy. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think that's what we've done. And, uh As we've done that, we've we've taken the good from what our parents have taught us, and left out, you know, whatever th whatever we didn't really want to keep and and have be part of our lives for the moving forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. Well said. Thank you. So when I now have a look on your life, if I may, you have um, four restaurants in Toronto still ongoing business. No, um, I had uh, I've had four restaurants you over had? over. Okay over a period of my life um, and uh, up till about, I don't know, five or six years ago. And then mm -hmm. that was it. I kind of sold off mm -hmm. all the businesses that I had, which had employees. And the last one, um, I had a furniture store that... Uh, that also, a furniture store. Yeah, it was called Cuda Furniture. <laughs> um, it started for me shopping to, uh, in Bali for myself oh. and then it got out of hand. Mm -hmm. And then buying four 40-foot containers, longer story. I know I have to jump in because before, I mean, I had another question in mind, but now it comes to that one. Because you said, like, I asked, wow, this is so beautiful, this resort here. You said you have 
six villas and three rooms in the main room in the main eight and three in the main house okay yeah. even more and I ask how did it happen and you said oh it just went out of my hands i wanted to have it for myself and then it became a mm. bigger because there is the friend's room and so on and then you just wanted to share and the original question was like having restaurants and such a beautiful space here is also something to build up a community yeah it's like your family like italian roots a bit to have people coming in feeling comfortable Mm. Yeah. Um, so, I think the restaurant business um, is sort of an extension of mm-hmm. how I grew up, you know, welcoming people, how I grew up yeah. learning to welcome people and hosting and uh, seeing people enjoy food and laughter and, mm-hmm. and drink. So important. Absolutely is. And there were so many great stories that were created in. In the 30 years that I've had restaurants back home um, in Toronto, the first one I started when I was 18 um, from the real estate uh, career. And uh, there was other businesses that I was involved in, like theatrical costumes. I was grew up as a childhood actor. But uh, the furniture one, um, like you said, it was an idea that got out of hand as well. <laughs> started shopping in Bali when I first came here, um, and it was a economic crisis in 1998 and uh, I just started buying stuff for myself but I you know didn't know how to ship it so I looked into shipping and uh, it looked like we we're the best way to ship personal goods that were going to be safe and arrive safe and and not damaged and for the best value was to put it in a container rather than a crate which is uh, called LCL which is you're shipping a crate of stuff and it could get broken damage and thrown around in different containers so uh, not knowing what a container looked like I started buying like I had a lot of room and I bought so much stuff I didn't stop buying and then I realized well I was over a 20-foot container so I had moved into a 40-foot and then long before I knew it I was into two 40-foots and then I went back home um, long story short came back because uh, the shipper was really not doing a good job and I ended up buying two more 40-foot containers realizing that now it's more than just a personal garage sale that I'm going to be doing. It's got to be turned it into a business. I can't believe it because you said before like you have to think big. This is actually a bit like the same idea. Huh? It became big and it became and turned out to be a business. Our friend who's waiting now outside, she said, yeah, you know, that's it. This is what you're about. Mm. You're just not only dreaming big, but you make it become profitable at the end. Right. Make it to become a real business working. Right. What's the secret behind? I don't know about a secret, but for me, my philosophy is when in life, I've always wanted to do something because I liked what it represented. So for me, the food, the restaurants furniture i like beautiful things i really like the idea that you can decorate your home mm-hmm. and feel comfortable in that space so you had passion for it, those products yeah mm-hmm. i had passion for it i mean i had, i did mm-hmm. i did i didn't realize i had that much passion for furniture until i started digging into it deeper um and for me um i never went into businesses because of profit or because money was my main motivation It was based on, I will, I think this is something I really want to do. I think the most important part, or you'll call it the secret, is that it has to be viable, otherwise it just becomes a hobby. So even though 
money was never my main objective. Money is the byproduct mm -hmm. that businesses are judged by, sort of like a monopoly game. So it's a game. You treat it like a game. And so when you make money at it, you have to learn how to make money at it. And what's the best way to make money at it? Then it becomes a business. And a business, again, is measured by profit. So then it has to become, all right, let's play this game so it becomes mm -hmm. viable and I continue doing what I want to do mm -hmm. and grow the business and have it be successful and profitable. So by that, then money comes into play and then it becomes a profit. Then it has become profitable mm -hmm. to be, become a business. I think this is very important because very often it is um, said, go where you're pleasures are, go where your passion is. But this is not sufficient. This is exactly what you said. You have to have, nonetheless, a certain kind of um, business uh, layer over it. Structure, yeah. discipline, mm -hmm. and uh, infrastructure for, for it to grow. And so I've, I've never had a resort before, so I've, I'm <laughs> learning how to do that. At the age of, may I disclose it? Uh, in, in, my 50s, in my 50s. <laughs> I still love it. And you were not afraid of, nonetheless, start something totally new so far away from home? No. Like no. the idea of failing and... Uh, no, I've never been afraid to fail. It's mm -hmm. never been an option for me. Although I, I know... I like that opinion. It's never been an option for me to fail. This is something that I take for myself as well. Like, mm. I love that. When I was learning for my first legal exam, I, it was clear I have to pass it in a good way. I never thought about what would happen if I would fail, and 50% of the students don't pass it. And I think this fear is not good because with this fear, another option comes up, the option mm -hmm. to fail. Right. Thought, you know, they say I love it, thought is creative. Mm -hmm. So when you think it and you, enter, you, you allow that thought oh. to enter it, then it manifests and becomes real. Mm -hmm. however, small, however, however big that percentage is, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, of course, you know, somebody can't say, well, of course you can fail. Of course, mm -hmm. that's a reality. It absolutely is a reality. It's not that I'm ignoring it or that you've ignored it when you're doing your exam. But we don't let that manifest. We don't let that grow into a point mm -hmm. where it becomes, you know, where mm -hmm. fear controls. And of course, I think that's why a lot of people don't go into mm -hmm. business because of fear, fear of failure. Some people have other issues, which is called fear of success. <laughs> but there's a lot of fears that may stop us in, in being successful. I don't look at failing as an option because um, it's all just a learning process. So for me, it's just a learning process. You can't fail at learning something new. It's all new. Mm -hmm. So for me, I've learned about the new building materials. I learned about how they build here. I've learned how to trust Mm -hmm. um, they're building methods here rather than trying to micro, micro macro manage them and try to think that I know best because I come from the Western world. Mm -hmm. um, so I had to learn that part in building it. Mm -hmm. But I didn't look at anybody else and say, oh, that's what I want to build. This is not what I want. I just kind of looked around and go, oh, let's, we can do this. And the great thing about building here, you're saying so far from home, is because here you can be a lot more creative. And almost whatever you can imagine is possible to mm. build, for example, or create or design. Mm. And it doesn't cost an arm and a leg. And so the, the risk, in my opinion, is less than mm. back home. So, you know, 
building something here would be a fraction of the cost it would be back home. So the risks are not as great. Mm -hmm. And the outcome of being creative is just so much more mm -hmm. exciting, I think. I would have one last question, mm -hmm. but maybe it's a too personal one. Dino, feel free not to answer. Uh, we spoke about risk, mm. and uh, I would love to know more about your private life. So when you're coming from a half Italian family with this Italian root and family gathering together, hmm? and at the same time you are this entrepreneur with an ongoing mind and spirit, you're a creator, you want to create something. Mm. Mm. But at the same time, you don't have a family for your own or on your own. You're not married. You never were married, right? Not no. as if marriage would for me be like the non plus ultra. But um, where do you put in then that private note, that intimacy that you have with a partner, with a lover? Mm. Well, that's a good question. I've had some amazing relationships in my life with some amazing women, very strong women that very strong, successful, and beautiful women in my life that I will never forget and that have, um, that I still have very fond memories and a lot of them I'm still very good friends mm. with and will be lifetime friends. And we've spent chapters of our lives together um, and I kind of look at life that way. That it's like a book, you know, people can come in and out of your life. Mm. It doesn't mean that they're not a part of your life or that you didn't love them, that you don't, you know, you, mm. that... You don't, you may not have to be in love with them anymore, but you can mm. still love them for who they are. And I think a lot of people in relationships, you know, write that off and they love somebody and then all of a sudden they get into this 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 part where it's like, oh, I hate you. And like, how could you hate somebody that you loved for mm. that long? And, and, then, and then have them not be a part of your life forever. Well, that's how most people are. Um, for me, um, I was never a believer of the... Of, uh, The marriage institution. Um, I maybe I was. Uh, I mean, my parents were were okay, so they they survived the uh, their relationship without divorce. So, um, you know, I can't say that was definitely what uh, affected me or discouraged me from getting married. But I I think I was never able to go down, walk down the aisle, and and really believe at any point in time that I could say that I was going to be with one person for the rest of my life, and that was going to be enough. So I never went, never mentioned those, never had those, that direction of, of wanting to spend my life with one person. Mm -hmm. I felt that uh, a lot of people could influence my life in and out. And I didn't want to, uh, to um, jeopardize that or to have it be less free. Mm -hmm. So I think I was always a free spirit that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I love children. I love my ni my nieces, nephews, and if ever children were an option along the way, outside of maybe the marriage institution, I was always open to it. It just never happened. Who knows? It might still happen. But um, yeah, I don't have uh, uh, a, a lifetime partner right now. Mm. But uh, and right now, I'm not that. I just I feel that these days, just right now, at this point in time, I'm very focused on uh, on what I'm doing. I mean, I had a, my last girlfriend was a relationship of four and a half years back home and uh, it was a good, very nice, lovely relationship. Um, but I I had to come here and, and, and follow mm. 
this dream of mine and uh and long distance relationships don't just work. don't work so I well agree. they don't work so don't that's work. where i find myself <laughs> is there time for one last question because yes. i really enjoy talking to you and i like your answers so i'm keen on that one um i agree um people come and go because at the end it's also energy between uh, between the humans right and mm. energy comes and goes emotions um what do you do i mean like um of course you were left behind and sometimes you were the one i assume who said goodbye to to the partner to the lover how can you cope with this process of detachment like when you were once close to someone you shared intimacy intimacy is more than just a sexual pleasure intimacy is an exchange on different layers energetic communication wise yeah so how do you process detachment is is detachment difficult for you or is it like when you feel the energy is gone the emotion is gone or it's time to move on to move to bali then it's clear for your heart and for your brain to say goodbye and then it was a chapter and of course you might stay friends Or is it like, oh, you still think of her sometimes and sometimes it's close, I give her a call, but then you don't do it. So what do you do for detachment? Well, I think, um, I think you're very, uh, I think you, in, in your question, um, it has all the answers. And I think um, it's not clear, you know, mm -hmm. love sometimes is gray. I used to be a very black and white person. And it was clear-cut answers, but I don't mm. find it so clear-cut. Mm. The older I get, I find it less clear-cut mm. and, and gray. And I'm okay with gray. I'm okay with not being so clear, not having all the answers, especially when it comes to love and emotion and, mm. and uh, feelings. Sometimes they're not clear. Mm. Um, and sometimes they're very, very difficult situations or decisions to make. And of course, I know I have to make them, and so I do them. Mm. That's the uh, that's the practical part of me. I think it's always been more who I am is more practical. Mm. Even though my design and and what I do, I've been a practical. I grew up with practical mm. parents, mm. and my brothers are practical. I'm practical. Mm. Sometimes that could be misunderstood as maybe not having, not caring, or not being not having emotions or, you know, not seeming like I care, but they're there, the feelings are there, and sometimes, yeah, I do feel like picking up the phone, and then sometimes I send messages and say, hi, how you doing, or, and I do care, but I also know I can't sometimes change the circumstances. Mm -hmm. So Sometimes not reaching out as much is not breaking somebody's heart further. Mm. Oh, this is so lovely what you said. Now I'm almost crying. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Not mm -hmm. easy. Mm -hmm. And what I will take with me is this, not to see it in black and white colors, but more in the differences in between and the variations in between the gray color. And sometimes to define doesn't help. No, I think sometimes to try to put things mm. in a box mm. is what... Pe I think people always try to put things in a box, <laughs> don't you think? I mean, 
I find everybody wants to categorize and mm. and 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 try to have try to explain a label things. on it. Yeah, try to explain mm. it to their friends. What is it and justify? Because they don't want to be judged by their friends to feel like they're weak mm. or you know or whatever. So I think we we try to categorize, as you say, or try to put them in a box. And I've always lived outside the box, and so I've learned. I keep learning, um, not to. put everything in a box mm. and try to label it. Sometimes just see what happens. Sometimes you get more for what you expect, right? Just let it be. Live and let live, as my mom said. <laughs> live and let live. And I don't like when people try to put me in a box either. Mm. I just don't like that. Or try to say that they know me because of whatever they think or judgments I don't think I don't think it's fair it's what we do it's easy to do that but it's harder not to that's a learning process too right mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much Dino thank you well you know you're a good interviewer <laughs> No, it was a pleasure talking to you, and um, you opened up so much. Thank you. Yeah, I didn't expect this today. I didn't know that was what I was going to be doing today. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> ah, very touching. Yeah, who knew? Thank you very much for having spent the time together. I really appreciated your presence and I hope you feel inspired now and I could really imagine to live in one of those bamboo houses now. Have a beautiful rest of the day and never forget to keep on shining. And before I forget to mention, if you want to find out more about Dino, don't hesitate to have a look in the show notes to contact him and to stop by should you be close by. Again, keep on shining. Yours, Corina Rosa.